بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيد المرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى اله واصحابه اجمعين Welcome to the Middle Ground podcast In this episode episode 1 I'm going to be joined by brother Daoud Aleman and we'll be discussing how both of us came to Islam and more importantly why we have remained in Islam for decades myself over 30 years <laughs> I prepared it man I said just knock it out go down the <laughs> list man I, I I have to admit though this this uh hadith I had forgotten about this one so that was a good reminder and and yeah that one hit me again uh, as they all do but Yeah yeah right um So alhamdulillah we're here today with brother Dawood and uh this is our inaugural launch for a rebirth resurrection of the middle ground podcast and this time around we're really trying to have it where it's just not me as a middle-aged bald-headed man talking to myself that's not it's not quite as interesting right so i thought i would bring another middle-aged man <laughs> you know but he has a full head of hair alhamdulillah he's got a full head of hair he can balance it out um and so one of the things we wanted to i guess you know you and I've been having this conversation now for like years that's right you know about uh you know one you know trying to do the podcast but two what we're going to talk about today Definitely. you know this um just talking about community how to build how to build and sustain and be a part of a better community so obviously uh we thought that maybe a good point of departure would be to talk a little bit about our own foray and journey into Islam and so because I I still wanted it to be rooted in you know something islamic so I said well how about if we use this particular hadith that I'll read for us here in a second mm. and then use that as a springboard you know to 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 talk about so the hadith in question and many of us will know it as you said it's a so-called oldie but goodie but maybe we haven't heard it in a while which is when the prophet alayhi salatu salam said bada al-islam gharibun wa sa'udu gharibun kama bada al-gharibun that islam it began as something gharib uh somewhat odd or strange right the arabs when they say a thing is gharib yani huwa shadh like it's something strange a little bit odd mm-hmm. right so bada al-islam gharibun wa sa'udu kama bada al-gharibun and so give good tidings to the ghuraba and so uh, we were both saying that you know one this obviously is a beautiful statement of the prophet alayhisalam and that it has some wordings in it that we could identify with both in terms of you could say the the messaging of it that islam is strange and it will return you know back to how it began as something strange and we both experienced in our journey to becoming muslim and then even being muslim which to me is the more that's the more interesting part like remaining and being muslim all these decades right is that you have to be a little bit strange and that undoubtedly we have probably appeared to be somewhat odd or strange to our family sure. to the 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 society that we live in like oh you know new cats are a little bit different right and so fatulba lil ghuraba 
you know, the Prophet Sallallahu said, you know, so give good good tidings to 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 being, you know, strangers. But then we also said, you know, the word gharibin or ghuraba, it shares the same jadr, the same root as gharb, which is the West. And we are, you know, by Allah's decree, we are Westerners. That's how we came into this world. Our qadr was that we would be born here. And so it is part of the strangeness is to be Western, but not Western in the way that other people are Western. You know, like we English is our mother tongue. Right. We, we were born and raised in America, and so we share that common experience as Westerners, as Americans, and yet we live our life in a way that is definitely a little bit odd compared to sure. the average American, right? Like we, we don't drink. You know, we don't have a girlfriend, you know, or at least not anymore, right? There, there's things that, you know, we, we gave up uh, to live a different life. And so that can, I still, I don't know about you, I still get that feeling from my family that, like, they, they know now, okay, this wasn't like a, you know, this wasn't just like a fling. He's very serious about being Muslim. He's been Muslim now for over 30 years. But still to them... It's a little bit odd. There's things that I do that are a little bit odd. Or even compared to my neighbors. Or, uh, I mean, now I work as imam. It's a little bit different. Sure. But when I worked in, in IT, when I worked in technology for those years, uh, I know that it was like, oh, hey, don't you want to come to happy hour on Friday, you know, and get a beer? Like, nah, man, that's not real. Oh, you don't drink? Oh man, wow! You know, like that kind of oh, thing. Yeah. Like, oh, that's so strange, kind of right. So, you know, kind of using that as a as a as a springboard to reflect on our strangeness, and partly our strangeness is due that we are what you would say like a a, a non typical Westerner, right? This this when I hear you know speaking of inclusiveness. Islam is oh, like man. this. See, this brings it all. Now you're like, to take us down the yeah, like, bridge. there's those yeah buzzwords. <laughs> right? But if there is this thing of being inclusive, well, then Islam has encompassed that a long time ago, and this hadith is like kind of that epitome of it because it makes you feel warm. Because we and they were weird at their time. They were the Sahab. This is these guys are. What are they talking yeah. about? This is crazy. So they were strange. Islam was strange. There's this whole revolutionary thing coming, and it came. It got kind of normalized, and as a matter of fact, everybody wanted to adopt it. The style they loved it. They were in Western Europeans, whatever. When they encountered, but it did take a minute for yeah. the Arabs at the time of the Prophet Right, it took mm, them sometimes. some time to warm up to it because right. it was. Bada al Islam Gharibin, right? It was yeah. a little bit odd. odd. You know, yeah. like you doing stuff that we as Arabs, we don't do this stuff. Right. Right? You're doing things don't a little bit. believe that way. Yeah. Right. We don't operate that way. Mm-hmm. So it, it began strange for them. But like you said, though, over the course of time, people kind of, you know, yeah, came I, to. I like that kufi you got, bro. Yeah. I yeah. wear like that. We, they were doing poetry better than some. Yes. <laughs> They and like you said, even in the poetry. European experience, when, right? when Europe began to encounter Islam outside of the, the fighting and the battles, right? But there was that, well, Islam is sophisticated, you know? And so undoubtedly Islam had a major impact on how Europeans saw themselves. And 
wanting to maybe adopt a little bit of that, you know, eccentric attitude, right, to be more cultured and, yeah, you know. Um, we're a little barbaric over here. These yeah, guys are yeah. laying it down. And so I've seen that kind yeah. of cyclically. Like you even think about Brother Malcolm, rahimullah, may Allah have mercy on him, how Malcolm, like his counterpart, uh, Martin, he was a little different. Right. He was a little strange, and you know, to to the, to the extent that still I feel like black folks like to celebrate uh, Malcolm, but when it comes down to the Muslimness of him, it's still a little bit mm, like that's, that's a little strange. You we know? can get down with, with but with, that's exactly what maybe many of us vibed with. Is like yeah, yeah, that oh definitely we right. want to be odd, we want to be a little bit different, you yeah. know. So th- th- this this. This brings the warmness uh, when you hear these hadiths. My wife had shared this with me a while ago, and I was like, wow, interesting. And it's going to end strange? Yeah. And now I'm starting to see that. As you mentioned, we're kind of going full, like, and, uh, sad to say, but even some Muslims, like, uh, no, what, the Sunnah? Are you yeah. doing that? No, we don't need to do that. We need to fit in more. See, we need to, we need to uh, you know, uh, pivot yeah. and make sure that, you know, we're accepted. And no, it's interesting strange. that he didn't say, you know, that not, you know, bad Islam gariban, and they didn't say what raja or sayyudu gariban. He said sayyudu kama bada gariban, that it will return into the way that it was almost something new again, yeah. right? It's almost something new again. Not just it'll go back to being strange, but it'll return back to how it began as. As, as, as something intrepid, as something new and fresh at the same time. But also, gharib kind of has this idea of also being something fresh, mm. innovative, new. You know, And people, I think, there, there there is a certain kind of individual, and I'm not certainly trying to put myself or you on a pedestal, but mm. I just think there, there are certain people who have an intrepid spirit that mm. are looking to be different. They're looking for some, you know, they, they look at how society is, they look at the norms, mm. and they go, you know, that's all right, but that's not 100% me. I want to do something a little bit different. Right. You know. Right. Um, so I thought that, you know, maybe we could even both, even though I'm sure you've had it uh, put to you many times, I've had it put to me more times than I could, you know, want to remember. Like, how did you come into Islam? Yeah, and, and to preface, I, I think it's important uh, to share some of the some aspects of of my story if you will because it's going to um bring a connection for some muslims and and or the audience in general that hey that's me i have some of that i did that i was like that so all of us so-called convert muslims um, and even born Muslims, we have a story to tell that will connect with others. And I think this is one of the um, central aspects of this particular topics is to um, inspire people to your Islam. Right. And not like you said, not only in the obviously in the convert context for people that are, maybe aren't Muslim that are thinking about it, maybe inshallah can be something to encourage them. But like Samil was saying the other day, you know, he's like the born again Muslim. <laughs> You know, uh, and that's why I want to get him on here too to we talk have, about it because you know it's very interesting how he talks about uh, you know his own experience, yeah. you know, being born in a Muslim family, but 
the 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 initial impetus of being born didn't stick, and so he had to go do some other things, which we'll let him get into exactly right. what those were. Right. And then he came back to his Islam, right? So um, definitely, yeah. So. Who wants, to go for, who wants to go first, uh, man? You, uh, go you. First. you. Me? <laughs> my, mine is the boring. Yeah. The, uh, we'll st- I'll do okay. mine because mine is really quick and easy and boring. So I became Muslim in 1991. Uh, I did not grow up with a very strong religious uh, background. So my, my father's family, I didn't have much to do with. Uh, my father was somewhat estranged. My father had one sister, mm. and so it was not very close. And they had they 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 had their own particular experience with religion. And again, this is on my dad's side of the family, where they joined. I think it was called like Worldwide Church of God. My mom was telling me the other day. Actually, it might be out like in Pasadena or something. So right. anyway, she and her husband joined a particular uh, expression or group of, of Christians. To where they really didn't have anything to do with anybody. So for those reasons, I didn't, I think it put a bad taste in my dad's mouth mm. about religion. And so my dad is, you know, not an atheist by any means, but definitely a person that is very, very secular, mm-hmm. you know, and, and has no denominational <clears throat> really affiliation. Maybe a kind of a very tepid Christian identity, but, you know, like right. I had never seen my father go to church unless it was to bury somebody, right? right? Um and then for my mom's side of the family, so my mother's mother is from Belize, from Central America, and so they were all Catholic, real hardcore Catholic. Um, that being said, uh, I think my grandmother, after coming to America, le- certainly seemed to leave being a practicing Catholic from what I gather, and that she became maybe some kind of non-denominational Christian, and that my, my grandmother definitely was a very, very... Re- a very, very religious person, but again, not somebody that I would say was denominationally committed to something specific, mm-hmm. right? And then my mother's own experience resulted where my two older brothers went to Catholic school for a time when we were in Detroit. But then when we moved, and when I was young, and I, I think due to a number of factors also maybe just prohibitively expensive, I wanted to go into public school. And so... I have, uh, and I had to double check with my mom. I have like a kind of vague, distant memory of going to some kind of Sunday Bible thing with like Unitarians or something like that. You know, my mother could probably fill in the blanks and tell me specifically. But, and this was when I was like preschool, you know, very, very young. And then after that, there was no. There was no religion in the family. Yeah. Christmas was about the fat dude with the yeah. beard coming down the <laughs> chimney. Easter was about the bunny rabbit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that That's was it. Yeah. You know, and so I had a very secular upbringing. There was right. no, no, you know, I mean, we would, when we were real little, we would say our prayers before bed and, and maybe for a time we would say grace at table. And even that kind of eventually, you know, went away. Despite all that, I just naturally was hard, a hardwired religious person. So I used to watch televangelists on TV as a kid. <laughs> along with the cooking shows. Yeah, along with the cooking shows, right? I used to watch like like one of the most popular, or for me, my favorite was like Frederick K.C. Price, who mm. actually uh, was out here in L.A. Interesting. 
right? And so he he would show up. This is back when TV had the two dials. Right, of course. And so he was on the bottom dial. You'd have to go and click and mess with the rabbit ears and mm-hmm. everything. So I used to watch Frederick Casey Price. And I always remember at the end of his little sermon, he'd be like, and we walk by faith, not by sight, right? Mm-hmm. And so I loved it. I, yeah. I was very intrigued by it. At the same time, when it came to the question of Sayyidina Isa, of Jesus, salam, I just, I was like, something about this just is not yeah. right. My favorite movie as a kid is maybe even somewhat too to this day was the Ten Commandments. Yeah. I love, you know, uh, Charlton Heston's portrayal of Moses. I yeah. love that movie. No, it's great. It was- I love that movie. And so I was drawn to religion intuitively mm-hmm. but I just didn't really when I was very little have the means to to do anything about it and so I went through elementary junior high school as just a secular kid in America right and one of my best friends when I was a kid he were very close he was two grades ahead of me but we were like a year and a half apart his name was T and so when he went to Michigan State I was I was in my junior year of high school, and he started his freshman year at Michigan State. And while he was there, uh, uh, well, so for the first year, we kind of lost contact with each other. And then towards the end of 12th grade, we kind of like caught back up a little bit. And I remember him telling me when he was getting ready to come back for uh, summer break, he was like, hey, I got something really important I want to tell you, mm. right? And, uh, and uh, he might have even mentioned on the phone that he had become a Muslim, but I was like, oh. So anyway, I go to his house, and we're supposed to go play basketball. Yeah. And he was like, hey, uh, before we leave, I got to pray. And I was like, okay. He's like, because I'm a Muslim now. I was like, oh, well, all right. You know, had no idea what that was. But I saw T walk over to the sink and began to make what I know now as wudu, right? right? And I just, something about that just struck me. I was like, wow, okay. Like, I'd never seen anything like that before. <laughs> and so then, yeah, exactly, right? The asbab of hidayah, right? The the, the ways and the, the means by which Allah brings, you know, guidance to a person. So he put on his little kufi, and he put out his prayer rug, and he began to pray. And I don't know what, just something came over me at that moment, and I went and just stood next to him. And, you know, because you can't, obviously, you know, when you were praying, you can't talk with somebody. So I noticed that he noticed me standing next mm. to him, but, he, you know, he just, you know, he went all the way through to the end. So I tried to follow him as best as I could. Right. And so when he finished, he was like, man, what are you doing? I said, well, uh, if you're a Muslim, I'm a Muslim too. Because, mm. like, we were basically, whatever T was into, I was into. Right. Right. And so he's like, well, you don't even know what it is. I'm like, well, what is it? He's like, well, you know, we believe that, you know, God is one. Uh, you know, for us, we, you know, in the, we believe that the final revelation uh, to humanity is the Quran, and it was revealed in the Arabic language, so you will hear us say Allah. But even Christian Arabs, you know, uh, uh, they will say Allah, right? So, you know, God, right? So we believe that God is one. He doesn't have a kid. He has no children. He has no spouse. He wasn't born. You know, God is completely one and does not resemble his creation in any way, and nor is he within his creation. And so he basically took me, 
you know, in about three minutes, it's gave me the, like the Tawheed 101, <laughs> 201, and 301, right? Like boom, 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 right? You know, Ubudiya, Uluhiya, Rububiya, boom. He gave me, you yeah. know, the basics of Tawheed. And I was like, okay, yeah, man, that actually, that that is what it is. You know, that's how I felt. Right. I was like, yeah, I was like, I always had great respect for all of the prophets, like, you know, because I, I I still have I had my mother's Bible and I would read it occasionally and I was always very intrigued by the uh, the, the Old Testament right and I was like man yeah. you know I was really intrigued by it. but at the same time I always felt that there was a barrier and that I had even briefly considered like maybe I should explore Judaism. Mm. Because Christianity just seemed way off. Hold on, we never heard that one. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, I had considered it because I get—I I, love the Ten Commandments, and I love the story of Moses and the other yeah. Israeliats and Bia, right? The other, you know, uh, prophets sent to the children of Israel to yeah. Ben Israel. But then I was like, well, you got to, you know, like you can't really become, I mean, you can sort of convert to Judaism, but it's like you're still second class because if your mother isn't Jewish, then that basically ain't really work. So I was like, I, very, I did, I did away with that. I was like, okay. But so when he told me this, that, you know, Allah is one, not two or three, there's no Trinity, uh, he, he doesn't have any children, it's not a pantheon, it's, a, you know, the basics. And then he said, we believe that Muhammad وسلم, is the final messenger of Allah and that he is uh, the final in a long string going all the way back to Adam. Mm. And there are those that we know and those that we don't know that, you know, many of them are mentioned in the different scriptures where we're talking about the Psalms or the gospel, of course, in the Quran. And then there's many others that we don't know. But anyway, he is the finality and the seal of them. And so we follow his way mm. called the Sunnah. And so I was like, all right. I was like, yeah, man, let's go play ball. That's great. You're a Muslim. <laughs> I'm a Muslim. Let's just go play basketball. And so we went and played ball for a couple of hours. And he was like, well, I got to go to the masjid. I was like, well, what's the masjid? He's like, it's where we pray at. It's like our temple. I was like, oh, well, I got to go there too then. He's like, all right. And so we went up there, and, you know, I walk in looking like the end. Now, that was the same day? This is all on the same day. Wow. This is all on the same day. Man. You know me, man. I'm extreme. Yeah. You know, I jump in both. I jump in head first. I don't know if there's any water in this pool or not, man, but I'm jumping in, right? So we go up to the masjid, which is the one on Plymouth Road there. And because of the way I look, being, you know, Captain Ambiguous, I walk in and everybody's like, I'm like, hey, man, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Right. I have no idea what you're saying, but that all <laughs> right, sounds right. great. And so uh, we go in the wudu room. I kind of, you know, see how he makes the wudu, and I do that, and I pray. And so we, after we finish the prayer, he was like, all right, man, if you're really – you know, if you, you you seem like you're actually pretty serious. So what you need to do is you need to go home. You need to take a shower, mm. and then uh, you need to you know we'll, we'll formally do your shahada. And so that's when I met uh, Sheikh Khalid Amin, yeah, Allah, may Allah bless him. He actually lives in Medina now. No, and so uh, long story short, I wound up hooking up with Sheikh Khalid, who you know showed me the ropes of Islam. And and that's it. So basically, I became Muslim in, one day. in the span of a couple minutes. Yeah. And in one day, Ooh. I went from knowing nothing about it to that. Was, and then there was no progression. It was just, that was it. Jumped in Amazing. and, well, 
Zafanov. Here it is, right? Yeah, that's... Yeah. So that, I always say, I have, in my opinion, I think a somewhat boring, you know, conversion story. Because, you know, I didn't... I wasn't searching for the truth, and I wasn't trying to beat a drug habit. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it was just... Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's the truth. That's yeah. it. All right, let's go. Uh... <laughs> no, and, and I'll be honest with you... The, that's the amazing parts to all of the human story for me as and, and people coming to Islam is I get intrigued with the the sabab, uh, the cause. I like to see the causal effects here, the, the causality. Uh, that's what really intrigues me. Uh, born Muslim, what a convert, whatever. Right. Uh, those are the intriguing parts to me. And then, of course, and then. How how come you're staying Muslim? <laughs> like, See, what, that, you know, because I get asked yeah. that question, right? And I'm sure you do, and most other people that became Muslim. Why, why did you become Muslim? I mean, I can understand that question from a non-Muslim. From a Muslim, though, person, I think that's a dumb question. I don't mean to be rude, but I think that's a stupid question. Because number one, we know the only way somebody becomes a Muslim is that a Allah guided them. So yeah. that's the simple, the the most important and 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 the conclusive answer is Allah guided me. Right. As you said, the sabab or the kafia, right? The how to is well, I don't know. Allah just made me go over to His house, and I saw what I saw, and it's something yeah. that really struck a chord in me. That I'll be honest, even I don't even know if I understand it. No, it just simply happened. You're right. No, right. not everybody, and probably most people aren't going to sure. have that experience. But here's a takeaway, and for for the listeners, Brother T was fulfilling his rights and responsibilities, and had an effect on another person. And so, you know, the takeaway here for me is that doing your ibadat and the basics of what we're supposed to fulfill in the rights of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Uh, can be, of course, impactful for yourself. You, you got to do that. <laughs> feeling, not feeling it. You just do it. We hear and we obey. But the effect of, you know, your parent, you, your parents out there, you brothers, your sister, your siblings, you might be affecting someone right in your own family who really weren't feeling it. And then they're like, you know, but my brother or my sister, she's always consistent. My dad, my mom, she's, she's always doing it. And this is a long lasting impact if you're maintaining your family or with your friends. So so you never know your dawah and how it's going to affect someone. Um, Absolutely, so, so, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. That, that's an important thing to remember. Not, not, not shelving or putting your religion in a cupboard, you know, which we're all, you know, we're, we're even extolled to do that as modern secularists. Like a virtue, like if you have, you know, if you're inflicted with, the condition of religiosity, mm. right? Then at least the most virtuous thing you can do is keep it to yourself. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the way that modern society and the the impact of secularism looks on it. And and I do. I know many Muslims that have this feeling. Now, of course, we also know that riya or showing off is a major sin, and that there and but there, there's plenty of space between showing off and hiding your religion. And so, you know, if he had just kept it to himself. Yeah. Like you know, being shy around you. you know, I don't know what he's going to think. Let's just go play ball. I'll try right. and do this later. You know, um, 
We'll tap into this because the we have a question, a, a little discussion on the '90s and Muslims from yeah. the past. So we were hard hitters back. We weren't really caring. We were strange, and we didn't care oh, about. We, we being jumped strange. on the caravan right away, brother. Yeah, brother. I mean, we got we got the so, ten gallon turban. You know. We had to we had to, you know especially for me, I was such a tall, lanky dude back then, man. I had to get a thobe that was like four sizes too small, <laughs> you know. And we were definitely strange, and that doesn't mean that you know n- none of that means like you know negatively. Yeah. It's 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 you know, we achieve some great religious thing. Like obviously right. wearing a thobe is just a cultural thing, sure. right? But right. for yeah. us, we t- to take us out of that culture of promiscuity, vulgarity, yeah. all those other things, you know, uh, shirk, associating partners with Allah, deifying this or that, you know, people believing in the, the, the position of the planets have some effect on them and a straw, all that, right? To take us out of that. Right. We actually needed to be a little bit gharib. We needed to be a little bit odd or strange to take us out of that that created our own little microcosm of being Muslims. And yeah, Yeah. we're like, I'm sure people looked at us like, man, who are these folk, man? They're crazy as heck, man. They're walking around in bed sheets and stuff, man. But you know what? We, we, we were so, we felt it. Like we just uh, so fulfilled by it, you know, um, so yeah, yeah. All right, now now that we did me, all right, we got to we got we got to do you, man. So mine was a progression, um, and so we'll we'll go to a little bit of the past here. Um, so all my family comes from Texas, the great state of Texas. Yeah, yeah. There, there we go. My wife my, is, I'm sure she's going yeah. woo right now. Texas folks. So we all come from Texas, mom's side, dad's side. Uh, we get to uh, California in the early 70s, um, and this is pretty much where I was raised. I'd go back and forth to Texas, and of course, we still have a lot of family there. But the religiosity factor was great. I'm Latino, so Catholicism played a dominant role within our within our family. But, you know, it got relaxed once we got into California, you know, yeah. and, and we're in the hippie movement time, and my mom, right, and... People are going to Santa Cruz, the Capitola, my mom going <laughs> oh, yeah. up there, and we got the beads. and So, you know, some of that got downplayed, watered out uh, re- as, as far as re- religiosity. But as a teenager, um, you know, my, my parents divorced, and that was a weird time for me, although I, I just, I really don't remember it too much, but every now and then, you know, memories come back. However... My dad, the greatest thing my dad, and for, for some of you Muslims and non-Muslims, me, I have a bad relationship with my father, meaning not me personally, but we don't speak. And so we're excommunicated, so to, or he excommunicated me, uh, not because I became Muslim for many other reasons. And I just want to bring that, that side point up because what guides me is, is Islam, and Allah says, honor your parents and Allah didn't say you know uh, believe in me follow me and then he puts the parents and he didn't say Muslim parents right it doesn't yeah yeah. so for me that's it I hear and obey I love my father I'm not even going to say if I'm not even going to say <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah. my dad that's it you don't like me I love you right but why because I got to follow the command of Allah that's not, it. I'm not here to people please and anything like that but genuinely, I love my father. He did a lot for me. The number one thing he did for me was he built a relationship for me and God. 
by him taking me there to church, this, this paved a way of, of a system of belief. But he didn't indoctrinate me. And when we would come home, we went to our secular life and, you know, mow the grass, sure. and, you know, have dinner on Sunday and whatnot and spend time and then off to work he, during the week. So um, I, I did have this belief system and I really enjoyed Catholicism because of the discipline. I don't know. I enjoyed that standing and kneeling and, and, and right. stuff like that. Well, my dad got a girlfriend and she, she was Japanese. and oh, okay. uh, Yeah, very interesting. And, and she would go to... Uh, I, I always call it the other church. I don't know what denomination, but we, the other church because <laughs> the they were church. singing and dancing and jumping, and you got to feel the Holy right, Spirit. Right, yeah. and, and so I was with that too. I was like, man, this is pretty good too. I, I'm feeling energy over here, like you know. So there was this weird um, play in the religiosity of Christianity between Catholicism and and I don't know what you would. I forgot the name of that type of church, but um, but I I I. I I had this mold going, and she bought me a Bible. So my dad never, hmm. he had a Bible. It was one of those really nice Bibles you don't touch, and it's right, almost right, like the right, Quran. Right. You don't touch it. Yeah, it's the Quran decorative. is decorative. On the top shelf with <laughs> right, yeah. 12 layers of dust. You never, yeah, yeah you, you don't open that. That's a, and that's the holy book. Anyhow, so she gave me a Bible, and I, I started reading through it. And, you know, we, we would get to the stories of Matthew and, and those the stories of Jesus. And I remember reading in there, Jesus is, Praying to God. Right. He prostrated the guy. He said, you guys are going to betray me, you know, uh, before the rooster crows or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Right. He goes up to the mount and puts his head to the ground. I said, he prostrated. So not until I came Muslim that impacted me, but I understood the concept that he was praying to God. Yes. I said, so why is he God? How can he be? I saw, again, me, thank God my dad didn't indoctrinate me. I don't even think he believed it. He was like this. Right. You know, but there was no conscience. There was nothing else to turn to. So as far as religiosity, and I realized at an early age that, okay, this there's something wrong here, but this is all I got. Now, of course, we never heard of Muslim. The closest thing we got to any type of idea of Islam was, you know, the uh, Iran crisis student when they had hostage crisis uh, in the <laughs> 70s, right? So, that, I mean, you know, in the... In the in the uh, uh, embar- or the gas, you know, when right, Saudi yeah, 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 yeah. were like, oh, these Arabs are killing us over here. Anyway, but I mean, we didn't have no idea about about that. Um, I never met a Muslim, never seen a Muslim. I didn't even know the term. I didn't Muslim. realize I went to school with Muslims. Probably, I'm right. Until we- I went years later and I found an old yearbook. And I looked, and there was like some kid's last name that was like, yeah. you yeah. know, Abbas or something. I was like, what the I heck? Must be a yeah, I didn't even know. <laughs> so. So fast forward, um, I get I get introduced to the concept of Islam when I'm incarcerated. And that's a whole other story. We could talk about yeah. that. That would be a good another story. But the bottom line is, I was ready for change, and not until I became Muslim later in reading the Quran, Allah doesn't change the condition of a people until He change what's in their heart. And I was ready. I said, I'm done with this lifestyle, this weird subculture. This is crazy. It's not going nowhere. And you know, no it, was, in it. it was reinforced with, within my family and certain parts of my family. So it wasn't abnormal. Like, you know, if you will, there's gangsters and things like that. Oh, and, yeah. You know, I mean, that was just the culture we were in. That was part of society. And that's where I gravi- gravitated to. Um 
and and it it is what it is but again the the asbab allah god is bringing you making you go through certain things because you're going to understand it only this way that's my interpretation Dawood will only catch this if he goes through if, these he, catches types of experience. <laughs> if he catches it well okay and i'll give you an interesting story so one time when i was reading the bible i remember i don't know jesus was going by the sea and there were some fishermen and he told him who he was and they didn't believe him and they passed him by and i said man that's a prophet that's jesus if I were you guys, I would have jumped on his back, followed him. I would have left those nets and just went what he would tell, what he's preaching, right. and went with them. And so I, I reflected on that, and I said, as a kid, I don't know, twelve or something, I said, man, if a prophet, if Jesus ever comes back, I'm just gonna follow him. I don't care what anybody thinks. I said, if any prophet ever came, I would just follow him. You know, I never questioned, would you know? How would you know? The idea was just. Just follow. I don't know. That was a weird thing to think as a little kid. Like, and God gave me that opportunity. And the Prophet Muhammad said, "Some here's That's this man. Yeah. Are you going to follow him?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I jumped on it. Like you, I kind of just jumped on. It. So what happens is, I'm fighting this case, and there's this acquaintance, and he has the Quran. He's on his bunk, and I come up start rapping to him and I noticed the uh, cover and I said hey is that the Quran and he said yeah now how do I know Quran because I read the story of Malcolm X the year before I read his bio mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I believe the movie wasn't yeah maybe the movie I came out too but anyways I read I read the bio of Malcolm X and I remembered that term Quran I, I didn't know what it was it's a book but I had no yeah. idea what's the content so I asked him, hey, man, can I read that? Can I get that from you when you're done with it? And he said, yeah. And it never dawned on me, like, how did he even get that book in there? <laughs> right, it's Like, right. why would he have it? And how did he how get, did it? get it? And again, these weird, you know, here comes these breadcrumbs of the, you know, how you get to where you're at in Islam. So he gave it to me. And I felt like, oh, this is some mystic book from the East. It's some, I don't know, Buddhist book. I don't know. They're mysticism right, right. far, far away. <laughs> In a galaxy. Right, and right, so right. I, the lights went out. I said, okay, I'm going to read it now. Because it's too busy during the day. I, I couldn't focus reading. Right, and right. so I said, let me read this. You know, maybe there's something in here that will change. Because remember, I'm, I'm focused on change now. I got to change my life. I'm doing everything I can do. What do normal, so-called, quote-unquote, normal people, how do they dress? I'm reading magazines. I'm going to uh, NA and AA classes. I'm like, serious, I got to change. I wake up early. I'm making my bed. You name it, whatever. Whatever the program is, uh, while I'm fighting my case, I'm doing it. Not like before. Right, (laughs) right, yeah. So I read the book, and like I think maybe some or most or some converts, I've heard stories, they bypass Surah Fatih, the opening, the, the first chapter, the first verse. I thought that's preface. I'm not a good book reader. <laughs> I've never been a reader, uh, so to speak. And it, it, However, um, I just jump into it. I get to Surah Bakara, the cow, the second chapter. And I start reading it, and those first five verses, those first five hit me. And I'm like, you know, for sure, without doubt, this is the book filled with, with knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Like, what? Who's what kind of author writes or starts a book out like that? That's pretty arrogant, man. For sure, without doubt, this is the book of guidance. 
Let me see. I start looking for the author. Who wrote that? <laughs> that I like it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that yeah, appealed yeah, yeah, to me. I'm kind of arrogant guy, but it, <laughs> let me see what's going on here. Who, who wrote that? So I couldn't find the author. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. and even though it had probably been an Arabic name, Arabic name probably, uh, I don't know, Pictal, it was a... Uh, so, Yusuf Ali. Yeah, it continues <laughs> on. And, um, you know, f- for those who pray who give in charity. And what really hit me was for those who give in charity from what we've given them. Yeah. That's a whole yeah. other spin on it. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, I learned yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. I start to realize this is a, this is talking about God. And it hit me. Oh, and by the way, Allah talks about the game for who, those who believe in the angel or yeah. the things of the unseen. And I'm like, man, I like prayer and I believe in the unseen. And yeah, I like to give charity to people who need it. And okay, yeah, that's true. God provided that. So it was hitting me. This book was hitting me right out the gate. And I'm like, man, okay. So I was like, interesting. Time goes on. I'm reading. I, I keep reading and reading. And every every night that I open the book, and mind you, there's no Muslims. I mean, I haven't encountered a Muslim. I still don't know. There's this thing called Muslim and Islam and all that. I don't. I have no idea. It's just there's this religious book here that's kind of really laying it down. So, finally, I got to a point where, you know, every verse. This is not like the Bible because, like every verse, it's speaking wisdom and knowledge. It, it was for me. This is out of control. I said, okay. It can't stay like this. Because there's got to be some boring part. Like the Bible, you know, you get into all these good. names. And the, so too... I started opening up just any page, any part. Right. And I start reading it. And I, come on, man. They, yep, it's saying something. Yep, it's saying something. Yep, it's saying something that's hitting me. I said, wow, this, this is something. This, yeah. So I'm really vibing with this now. This is like something. And I... I said, I think I found, I think I found it. So you got the manual, but you, you don't have the, 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 if you will, the, uh, or you got the car, but you don't have the, the driving teacher. Right. You don't, got yeah. the, you, you don't get your driver's permit, your license, and you probably ain't got no money to put gas you in. You got but, no gas money. But it's, it's a nice car. But man, this car is cool, and it's actually, I have the keys to it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But I just don't know how to operate it. So... Time goes on, and I I wanted to highlight some ideas here. One of the main points, though, is that I wanted change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to change. I needed, for me, it was it was change, right? So every Muslim, you're looking for something. I was looking for change. Um, and I'll give you a side story here. One of our imams over here, Imam Malik, um. He gave his uh, his khutbah, his sermon, Friday sermon, and he had mentioned, are you desiring it? Three keys for the Muslim and anybody. You know, I apply this to other aspects. Non-Muslims can apply this. So are you desiring it? Are you asking for it? Are you acting on it? And I keep this as a mantra. I write it down. I read it daily sometimes. Mm. I teach my students about it and how to apply it. And the bottom line is when you're desiring, I mean, you're never going to get something if you don't desire it. So yeah. for us Muslims, we're looking for paradise. We want to get to the Jannah. Yeah. But if you're not desiring it, 
well, why would you even start trying to get yeah. So you got to desire something, right? I was desiring change. I just didn't know what was going to come about. Then you got to ask for it. For us Muslims, we need to ask God. Oh, God. It's like the me, end right? of uh, Surah Ash-Sharh. وَإِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ فَرْغَبْ Have رَغْبَ have a desire. Have a desire. Right. Have desire for your Lord. Have desire. You know, uh, yeah, that's, wow, that's, yeah. Right? And and so I teach this to my students, like, okay, you have to desire. You want you want to go get a job. Well, you got to desire it. You got to ask for it, too. Do you want, uh, do you, you have any passion? Ask you don't know how to make your, 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 your a good resume? You got to ask, right? So, I mean, keep it in a simple terms, right? I would say ask God first, but... <laughs> You might talk to non non believing people, so you know. I mean, I the Quran says what? Fasalu ala dhikri in kuntum la ta'alamun. Right? Ask the people that know if you don't know. There you go. Right? And the last one, act on it now. Yeah. You yeah. can't just sit in the masjid and it's going to rain gold and silver, man. And that means too, like, you know, act on it with the courage that it might not work initially, right? You got to have that courage to just do and not always have your success hedged. Like, yeah. you know, like, well, I'll do it as long as I succeed. Right. No. <laughs> you know, as Allah says, you know, that the lamb of Allah, you know, do A, B, and C, and X, Y, and Z in hopes that, hopefully that you will be what guided, successful, mercy will be had upon you, right? I mean, but which means that there's an element of that that's the unknown. Mm. So you got to jump in. So those are three keys Not until later of course All of this starts to make sense But Moving forward um, So I got sentenced And um, I said okay Well you know what I had two books I had the Quran And I had the N.A. book I was going to say How to to make friends and (laughs) And you can only Yeah You can only take one book So I said well I'm going to put both in the package, because you got to wrap up your stuff and right, they, right. They, they ship you out. Anyway, so I, I said, let me just put both and see which one, because they'll throw away one wow. and just give you one. I said, let me just see which one is going to stay, and that'll be a sign for me. So I'm in the sign. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and so we get housed. I finally get to my destination, and I get my stuff, and I open the the package just to see real quick what's in there you you have your paperwork and whatever and then what book stuck and the quran was there i said okay well that uh, probably that makes more sense they probably give you <laughs> religious literature so i'm trying to not get so like you know uh, woo woo this is like, yeah, yeah. you know uh but i said most likely they'll probably give you the religious literature over any other and, uh, but you, I didn't know. If you just save us from this, we promise to be the most grateful. Right? It's like wow. But for me, that was a pretty heavy sign. Honestly, I said, yeah, wow, yeah, okay, yeah. The book you can't deny that one. That's yeah. Because again, I didn't have no. There's still no teacher. I haven't met a Muslim. I don't know Tawheed. I only know it just as you said innately. Like this just makes yeah. it can only be one God. So uh, I remember this. Uh, I, I'm in San Quentin now. And it's a pretty heavy prison, and um, and I'm I get housed temporarily because usually that they're going to ship you out to another another place. So, mm. but they had to switch me to a different section of the prison. Um, I think it was called Donner, and most people 
California people might know who. <laughs> Hopefully, you don't know what I'm talking about. Anyhow, this this Muslim guy, he's because they're gonna have. I could there there was no unlock for me, uh, because you haven't been permanently housed. But he was going through the wing and saying, "Hey, tonight we're gonna have uh, like a lecture, a Muslim lecture, whatever." I couldn't understand at the time what he was saying. But I just wanted to hear who was yelling out there. And then and then I said, hey, man, what are you guys talking about? And he goes, oh, we're going to have a, a lecture about Islam. And I said, Islam? I said, uh, he goes, why, you're Muslim? And I said, what's that? He goes, you believe in God, Allah? And I said, yeah. Because, I mean, I'm getting right, the terminology, right, some right, terminology right. in that book. And I said, yeah. He goes, what's your name? I said, David. He said, oh, your name's Daoud. <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could pronounce it. I said, what? Yeah. Oh, all right, man. I, I said, oh, okay. Now, this is like, I'm touch, like a little bit is touching me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. He said, he said, man, can you get, are you, you guys have unlock? I don't think you guys can get out the cell. And I said, I don't think so either. We're, we're stuck. We're, we haven't been housed yet. He goes, man, if we could get you out, you would have a good time. I said, well, all right. But anyways, you know, progressively, I'm getting these little breadcrumbs. Finally, I get housed in in, uh, in Soledad. So in Soledad State Prison, um, we'll fast forward. I was I was on the yard, and I was talking with this black guy, and we were kind of talking about different politics in the yard and stuff. And it's a life of prison. And he had a he had a pretty long stretch, and he was over rapping with us, and uh, and so I started talking to him. He goes, he, well, I know we got into religion from the politics stuff, and uh, and he goes, he goes, I go, well, so what, what religion are you, man? What do you what do you study? What are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm Muslim. He goes, I mean, I ain't really practicing Islam, but yeah, but I'm Muslim. I mm. said, oh, really? Wow. I go, I go, I'm Muslim too. <laughs> and he goes, oh, really? You're a Muslim? Come on, man. And he grabbed my hand and he took me, he grabbed my wrist and he took me, because you can't grab hands. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that weird. He said, come on, man. I'm going to show you where the Muslims are at. And mm. I said, oh, okay. And uh, so he t- they their area was in the middle of the yard. And so I went over there and he introduced me to this, this brother named Mubashir, and I'll never forget him. I'll never forget that name. I never seen him again, but I'll never forget him because the he had light in his face, like you couldn't imagine. He was an older brother, and he looked at me, and that guy introduced me, and he said, "Okay, young brother, mind you, I'm a young guy at the time." He says, "Okay, young brother, uh, what's your name?" And I said, "Well, David," and he goes, "Okay, well, what do you know about Islam?" I said, "I don't know nothing." <laughs> he goes, "Okay." we're going to teach you, we're going to get you, I'll send someone, and I'm like, why are you going to send someone? So, but he had some pull. Right. <laughs> he was knowing, he's yeah, like, yeah. I'll send someone to, to, to what wing are you on? I'm in such and such wing. Okay. We send so we're going to, you need to study a few verses of Quran, Surah Fatiha. And he named it. I'm like, you know, all of this is new. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. okay, well, yeah, all right, whatever, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Um. So now I finally meet the Muslims. <laughs> I meet these believing people <laughs> and I'm starting to feel like, wow, this is it. This, this, this is really something. So that initial contact with the Quran, I never left it. 
Yeah. I read it every day. And by the way, because I didn't know what to do, but I can tell there were some instructions in there. It would talk about prayer. Pray. So the Quranic prayer, right, as we say. So yeah. there's the way of the Sunnah, the Prophet taught us, and then what Allah is saying to do. So I used to pray. Pray, pray. you know, of course in the translation is maybe dhikr. Something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Depends but, on what you yeah. picked all versus Remembrance Yusuf of Ali. Of God or, and, yeah, yeah. But it was saying pray. So pray or remembering, probably their translation messed up, but on your side when you're lying down, when yeah. you're sitting. So I would, I would wake up in the morning and I would sit on my bunk and I'd pray. And then, you know, sometimes I'd be standing, I'd pray. Yeah. And then sometimes I'd be laying on my side and I said, oh, yeah, I remember if you lay on your side, pray. So I'm no, just doing you're, you're verbatim. You're getting, you're getting it all in. Because I said, I want change. So I'm yeah. going to do what this book is telling me because it's clear there's instructions. So another takeaway is that I've never left contact with the Quran. Mashallah, alhamdulillah, yeah, yeah. thanks God. Alhamdulillah. I, I maintain and carve out, like you said, this, this is your word, your language. I'm carving out time daily to make that contact by reading the Quran, whether it's early in the morning, sometime in the afternoon, mostly it's early in the morning, I have my rhythm now. Sure. But, yeah. but yeah. that was just my habit I had to do. And so the bottom line is, those are some of the highlights and the key moments. But eventually, you know, that was it. I jumped in like you jumped in. I went full-fledged into it. In the strangest of places, I found light in the darkest of places where you know usually i i i just maintain my own mentality my old mentality going in and out but this time because i want to change allah showed me something man that was like and i met the most amazing people and these people are lifers yeah they'll be there for life yeah, yeah, yeah. like jihad the brother jihad he's the one who who facilitated my my full ability to just practice Islam. And what I mean by that is because in, while incarcerated, while incarcerated, <laughs> yeah. because you can't just, so uh, with the Latino car, you know, you can't just say, Hey, I'm going to, I mean, a lot of, a lot of, I mean, whether that's the black car, white car, whatever group you're in there. When I say car, you know, there's a lot of people who go there that will hide behind religion and just mm -hmm. say, well, I'm right. going to be Christian now. Uh oh, really? Yeah, so I'm going can... to church, man. I'm trying to. And then, you know, they're getting hired. <laughs> right. So I remember, I'll give you a quick story, how, how important this was to me, that I did whatever it took. And we didn't cower down because I knew this was the truth. And when you know something's the truth, yes. you just stand on it. It's, yeah, like, yeah. it's not even an issue. So Jihad said, I told Jihad, man, I want to I be in a Muslim cell. Mm. And he said, "You know, little brother, you can't just leave, <laughs> you can't just leave your cell like you can't leave the car like that." He goes, "I, I, I got to talk at the time, you know, the shot caller." Right. And I said, "Okay, well, we do what it takes." So, anyways, he arranged a meeting. <laughs> He's like so weird, and uh, but that's the that's the I mean that's the real deal. I mean, that's how it works. It's how it works. Yeah. So, Bo from San Francisco. The shot caller in the yard at the time, he, uh, I'm sitting there with Jihad and Jihad telling me, hey, listen, Bo, David, he's going to be with us. He, he's a Muslim. He wants to be practicing his religion. And so he also wants to exit his cell and he feels he'll be more blah, blah, blah. So Bo looked at me and he said, 
hey man if that's what you want to do we'll support you i was like oh man my heart just went wow he mm. goes he goes he goes you're a solid dude we seen you on the yard we see how you move you handle your business we didn't see you playing no games because we, we, I could get drunk there. You could have done drugs there. You, all types of things. Right. But the guys there knew me as just a straight up dude. I go do my workout. I go play handball. And that was it. And I, and I would sneak away. I wouldn't say sneak away, but I would just break away when it's time to go pray. Because I learned the prayer now. Right. So I just go pray with the Muslims. I, and you have to go back to your area. You can't just, you can't just say, yeah. It's not, it's not the Marriott. It's not the Four Seasons. You can't go hang out at the poolside. You know? <laughs> so, so, you know, and I go back and hit, you know, play handball, whatnot. So anyway, so Bo was like, so, so we're going to support you. But man, we catch you playing the fence, you know. Playing the religious yeah, yeah, game, yeah, yeah, yeah. You watch we, you getting high, going, but then you play, you know, you whatever. Gonna get, you're gonna catch Man, it. We're, yeah, you're gonna catch one. And then Jihad, I'll never forget. He said, hey, "Bo, don't worry about that. We'll take care of him if we catch him." Yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, <laughs> either, Muslim, either way, the mus- nobody messes with the Muslims. It, man, I'm telling you, they got the utmost respect for the majority on the yard than anyone else because it's straight. It's a clean religion. It's a straight religion. And we will take care of ours if we catch you playing around, yeah, doing yeah. haram, doing, yeah, yeah. doing, doing uh, illegal things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. So, so, so that that's been my experience. And I'll just say one last thing though, for the community at large, the way I learned Islam, and even even in the '90s, I'm sure the way you learned Islam, there was a tight knit core brotherhood. Yes, you felt it. Oh man. Yes. I mean, we break bread. I mean, we would, we would, okay, you need, so I did eventually get into a Muslim cell. We got everything covered, whatever. And anyway, so, you know, I started to really feel um, the, the, the Islam, if you will. I really started yes. to feel a part of something that was greater than myself. And I'm reading Hadith, you know, one of the brothers from outside here who later I was able to, to he took me under his wing when I got out, but, but uh, Brother Rias and, he was sending in hadith to another life of brother who, alhamdulillah, inshallah, brother Abdullah Sabr, he's getting out. He was a Cambodian crib. He got a whole other story. Wow. I'm try to get him on the podcast. Anyways, so, so he was teaching me deen. So I had a variety of different brothers from different cultures, background, just... Just putting it on me, and I was out like as we would say, I was getting laced, bro. Yeah, I was they were lacing me up, yeah, man, yeah. like something. Mashallah. So I'm reading Sayyid Bukhari, I would have ability to ask him questions. Brother Rias is sending in, you know, different different literature that was what I needed. So, so we're learning like from Sahaba, we're learning the mentality of the first generation, and so we were emulating that. We were trying to, we were trying to reproduce that, and um. So the brotherhood there was was something else, and unfortunately, when I get out, it was not yeah, <laughs> necessary. Yeah. And, and, and I've heard many brothers talk about that when they, you know, when they exit from incarceration, that it can be very difficult to, uh, you know, to 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 find that level of camaraderie, of, of brotherhood, of love. It, it's it's uh it's definitely not easy. It's definitely um, different. You know, Imam, I have one more highlight though for for for. Yeah. New Muslims and so again, you know, the the engagement there is difficult because you have unlock and there's different times you can get out, not everybody can get out, and so the interaction 
is sometimes sparse. Uh, you know, being a Latino Muslim uh, during Ramadan, you know, we we uh, the yard got locked down, so only certain people could get out. But because uh, the Latinos at the time had some beef, they all, all Latinos were locked down then. Mm. So even though I was a Muslim in a Muslim cell, I couldn't get out. So during Ramadan, they would bring me my food, and oh, I'd be wow. fasting twenty four hours in the cell for the most part. Uh, 23 hours you know you get out to go wow. to go shower but yeah so so but my Sally, because he was muslim but not latino he would get out he actually he he unfortunately he was from uh, afghanistan but anyways you know the story but um but i'll tell you the the one of the other highlights was my shahada and so remember i told you mubashir was going to send me some literature however that literature never got to me it got to me quite late um but i do remember a pamphlet getting shoved under the door and I hadn't moved. I haven't exchanged. I haven't moved cells yet. Mm. So my Sally, he, he went and he grabbed whatever fell under the door and he looked at, it, he goes, oh, this must be for you. <laughs> Cause he was always, <laughs> this must be for you. Cause he knew I was, cause you know, we just, your Sally, you would wrap yeah, it. Yeah. And this guy actually didn't belong in prison. <laughs> he was just a truck driver, got wrapped up in some weird thing. Anyways. So he was a mellow dude. And I remember I was reading the pamphlet, and he was talking about the Al-Qaeda, was talking about our, if you will, creed. Right. Uh, and our core belief system. Mm -hmm. And Tawheed, the oneness of God, the uh, angels, the books, the prophets, and, and so on. And I was reading through it. and But it highlighted, this particular literature highlighted all of the prophets. So we believe in the prophets. And it said all the names. And so I was reading through the names. And I said, Jesus and Noah and Abraham. And you name. So, so, okay. And then I flipped it, and it had um, the five pillars, and then it said about the Shahada in English. And it said to become a Muslim, a Muslim gives this testimony, testifies. So I remember, I said, oh, that's how you become a Muslim? Because nobody knew I didn't change <laughs> Shahada. Or, yeah, yeah, you have to utter these words? Oh. So I was, I was reading, I was about to say it, I testify that there's only one God, you know, and Muhammad is his message. And I was about to say it. And, you know, today I was the devil, the shaitan came, the devils came. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a weird thing because literally in my head, a voice said, you're going to betray the religion of Jesus. Literally, those words came. Wow. You're going to betray. And I was like, it hit me and I, it almost shook me like. I, I, I had a second thought and I said, yeah, am, am I, should I be doing this? And by the way, I hadn't met Mubashir yet. Mm. I'm sorry, I hadn't met him yet. So I'm still kind of on my own. And I said, well, just said we believe in Jesus and all of the prophets. I'm glad I started that side yeah, of the pamphlet yeah, yeah. first. We, yeah, I, and I said it and I made Shahada. Not Masha, in Arabic, Masha I Allah. couldn't pronounce it in yeah, Arabic, yeah, yeah. but in English. Whoever gave me that pamphlet, his deeds, he's getting some deposit. Yeah, yeah, mashallah. Subhanallah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I said it, and this huge relief came like, man, yeah, I'm with it. I did. I'm, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, bad analogy, but it's like you jumped in a gang. I mean, literally, you when you get jumped in a gang... There's certain things you got to do and, and say, and like, I was a part of something greater. That I jumped out of this gang into the most 
uh, pious gang, if you will, the righteous gang, <laughs> the, right- the gang we were supposed to be in. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so, you know, so those are some of the highlights and experiences of my um, progression to Islam and my Shahada. So, you know, I hope this, you know, navigates people and, and inspires them. And are, whether you're shy or you're not, you know, just it's with you, man. And you, if you've made that decision, you've made the right decision. And only God has guided you. Yes. And he's only got his Because, you know, we were dealing with that the other day with uh, there was a brother here, Ulysses. Yeah. And he was asking, should I take my Shahada now? Because mm-hmm. he's been hanging out with us now for like a couple weeks, right? Has not formally taken his Shahada, yeah. his declaration of faith. But he's been coming on the weekend and attending Fudger Club and even praying with us and yeah. doing the whole thing. And so he asked me the day, you know, should I wait to do it? And I was like, well, I can't tell you what to do. But if you're asking me my opinion, I can only tell you that I didn't wait. Mm-hmm. I became Muslim and I didn't know. I said, man, you way ahead of where, where I was at. I said, the day that I encountered Islam, and even had any inkling of what it was, I immediately jumped in. And that was it. And so if you want my opinion, yeah, I wouldn't wait. I would just, you know, I would just do it, you know. Because sometimes there's that feel like either you had the 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 sort of shaitanic uh, yeah, exorcist moment, right, of uh, you're going to betray the religion of Jesus, get me. right? Yeah. Jesus is going to get you, right? Yeah. I mean, that kind of thing, right? right? Like, you know, just that idea of like, oh, man, you be, you're betraying your ancestors or something, you right? Know? Yeah. But um, no, that, that, that notion that, uh, you know, you, you need to wait until you've acquired, whether it's mm. knowledge or this yeah. or that, um, I, you know, all I can say when he asked me, I was like, well, I did not, I didn't know nothing. I got the breakdown, you know, matter of fact, I jumped in, had no idea. Then he told me the ABCs of it. Right. And I said, yep, okay, that's good. All right. Let's just keep going. Right. And I don't think I formally said my Shahada, uh, with Sheikh Khalid until probably a week or so later. But, you know, uh, I was Muslim. That yeah. was it. Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, you know that, was, all, that was the easy part. Like, you know. But as we've said, though. Well, yeah, it came to me, but I'm quickly, it, God, when he's determined something for you, that's it. And so reflecting now, I can see that it was very easy for me while there were some obstacles. Now, I can see the obstacles now. And I can see how actually easy it was. And I would just like to say, you know, when you jumped in so quick and what really, like I said, this religion is so inclusive. But I think there's a hadith when the people on the Surat, on this bridge that they're going to cross over Jahannam, over the hellfire. Some will go at the speed of light. Some will be right. And there's all this different uh, um, variation of how fast you'll get across. And some won't even make it. They'll just get pulled down. But I remember, I think I read some of the scholars, maybe you can correct me, mentioned that the people who will be going very quickly across, whether that was the speed of a bird, running, walking, is because in their dean here, they acted quickly on, on the good yes, deeds. Yes, yes, yes. No, that I, I think, you know, or even, to, uh, you know, I know it's probably an overused analogy, 
uh, you know, there's that scene in the Matrix where Neo meets Morpheus. Mm. And he has that decision. You can either take the red or the blue pill, right? Which is not like a kind of overused analogy. But I think the part that isn't highlighted is that he was able to not just go down the rabbit hole, but he was able to, I mean, look at how many things that were provided for him. Mm. And uh, along the journey, right, some things are arduous, some things are difficult, but basically everything everything is laid out for him, right? Everything. And so I, I, I kind of feel that, and I've seen that as a commonality amongst other people that embrace the religion that became Muslim, especially with an immediacy, is that by committing to Allah and not asking him any questions, then he doesn't make it difficult for us to then to remain Muslim mm. by asking so many questions. Because mm. what I see now, people today, when they're hesitant and they come in, and then they become the Ahl al-Su'al, they become the people of questions. Mm. And, you know, the, the Prophet has admonished, and Allah even has admonished, you know, kathratu su'al, right? Like, you know, just asking too many questions. That's one of the things that destroyed Bani Israel and other people that came before you was excessive questioning. Mm-hmm. And that I know that for some people, they will, I want to know what I'm getting into. Everybody's journey, as they say, is different. Right. All I can say for myself is that, and I'm not, again, I'm, I'm most certainly not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying that Allah made it yeah. easy for me to remain a Muslim. I feel this is my ta- wheel of my right. my embracing <laughs> Islam, my interpretation. Allah made it easy for me to remain a Muslim and a committed Muslim, which doesn't mean I haven't had my temptations or I haven't made mistakes or I haven't committed sins or what. But even amongst doing all of those things. Mm. That the Islam never went away. Right. Because I just was so committed to it. Like, man, I'm going to be a Muslim whether I'm doing right or wrong. Inshallah, I'm doing right. And I'm going to try to always do right. And I'm going to try to correct what I do wrong when, when I need to be doing right. But I just feel like it was a gift that when, when, I, when, when I gave that trust to Allah that I'm just going to do this thing. And I don't even know what I'm doing or how to do it or how many times I got to do it. But I'm going to do this thing and just making that gesture yeah. of fealty and commitment, yeah, commitment that Allah right. then gave me. I mean, alhamdulillah, like I immediately was able to learn Arabic. Yeah, I was okay. able to, you know, memorize Quran. I mean, just all of the things that Allah gave. Who am I? I'm just some freaking knucklehead from Detroit, right? Yeah. I mean, I, who am I to be given any of this fada'il, like yeah. any of these this bounty and blessings? And that, when I look at other people that had a somewhat genuinely, you know, some kind of a similar uh, point of departure, jumping in with immediacy, and Allah really blessed them that the rest of their, the rest of their Islam doesn't mean we won't have our ups and downs. It doesn't mean we won't have our tests and we won't have those, but right. they're just that. They're just tests to help us further learn and evaluate and refine our Islam. Yeah. But they don't become shek. They don't become doubts. Mm-mm. They don't become to the point where we abandon the faith and this kind of... Which I see, I, you know, that's probably a whole nother podcast, right. right? A whole nother episode is that it's just a different kind of person today I see. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but I just, you know, maybe that's people today are foundationally different than they were, you know, 30 plus years ago. But... Right. Um, now jump in 
The well, water's fine. There, there's one other thing, too, to know. I just let everybody know. The Shahada is, it is something, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it is something that should be uh, eventually announced with not the broader community, but at least other Muslims to witness your Shahada, right? Yes, one yes. or two, one at least. So I remember when I got out, um, because I didn't know that either, and none of the brothers really said anything. You know, they it's just like, what is it, Surat Al-Buruj, al-Shahideen wal-Mashhud, right? That you are the Shahid, you witness and give testimony that there's no God but Allah, Muhammad is the Messenger, but then also, you are Mashhud, you are witnessed. Yes. And, and attested I've, too. I found, so some Muslims may feel shy to get in front of the community. I never did that, and you're not required yeah, to I do did, that. Yeah, I, I didn't jump up on the yeah, mic after Jumu'ah and did that either, no. It's great, actually. You have more witnesses for you the dead judge. But, and some, but like, that can also have its, you know, I, yeah. you know, when you make it about pomp and circumstance <laughs> and the people are all, you know, because especially now, people love it when you get somebody to come up after Jumu'ah and they take their shahada and yeah, the Muslims like, clap, clap, clap. Man. But if you ask any of the Muslims that, that for the person that took shahada a week ago, hey, what was her name what right. was his name man i don't know who it was yeah, exactly because it's more about like it's some kind of affirmation for them right you know you got people coming in out of your community taking shahada and you don't even know who they are oh right. well that's the imam's job how's that my job right. exclusively <laughs> okay like i teach islam but where is it my job to shepherd everybody in the community yeah. on my own right no that's they're that's your brother a, and your sister that's too us. yes that's us. so i got out and then i i did um, so that brother Rias, him and his brother. So I just said, hey, listen, I want you guys to know I'm Muslim, and I I said it, and then they taught me how to say it in Arabic. So, but I'll tell you the significance of that: having some witnesses and close brothers like that, and and you Muslims that aren't attaching yourself, get out there and go find some good brothers, whether you feel shunned or not, or sisters too. You're gonna find your companion, and they'll stick with you, or at least. You know, have someone around you can network with, but but because of them, they helped me in so many other ways. Being part of the community, and I had—I'm sorry—I had to brute force myself into the community. Me too. Some of them, right? Some of the circles. Now oh, you're 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 you know, I didn't have a lot of American Muslims or, or convert Muslims, right? And our community at the time, there just wasn't a lot. It was different nationalities, right? Whatever, or uh, you know, uh, ethnic groups, and and so anyhow, um, but I pretty much the people that Allah surrounded me with were were older and they were matured and they understood their dean yeah, and yeah. they really embraced me and and i remember my brother Rios told me you're you're like a little sheep you're like one sheep and i'm your shepherd just stick right next to me like yeah, like that yeah, one yeah. would and you'll be good and so that's the way it was with me. us for like sheikh Harad. i mean for i would say the first five years of my islam it was just me going over to Sheikh Khalid's house when, you know, when I wasn't at work. Because, you know, back then I was on my island people tip, man. I was working like three jobs. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean, I was, <laughs> you know, right? I had like two full-time jobs and a part-time job. But basically when I was not working, you go over to Sheikh Khalid's house. Uh, or you would meet him up at the cafe because he used to, he, he you know, Sheikh Khalid, may Allah bless him, man. And I hope, inshallah, he hears this. You know, he used to, he 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 was like a figurehead and a, and a and a presence on University of Michigan's campus. Mm. He used to be there, just on the corner, a little a little light skinned black man from New yeah. York City, uh, from I think he's actually from Brooklyn, 
And he used to be dressed in like a, a Moroccan thobe, right? That's probably where I got my right. initial, you know, that's where I got my taste for it, right? The the Jalaba, he'd be there. And he would have pamphlets and he'd be selling incense. And then he, and so if you, you you could always find Sheikh Khalid. That was my, my whole point is that you could always find him. Mm. And he wanted to be found. Right. So we would go with him, sit down, have coffee, pray with him. We would go walk over to the Arboretum or go over to the, the, the Diag or whatever and pray. We'd always be at uh, Espresso Royale drinking coffee with him. And he'd have the Quran. I mean, for five years, I stuck by his side. And through him, I got to meet many other brothers that then also kind of took me in like, Rashid took me in and his family, his father, who's passed now, may Allah have mercy on him. And, you know, may Allah grant him Jannah to Firdaus, you know, but his, I remember my first experience, you talk about mysticism and mystical experiences. I remember the first time Rashid's family invited me to their house and his mother cooked halal fried chicken. I had never had halal meat. Right. And it was like, Oh man, this is like I'm I'm having an experience here, right? And it's just fried chicken. I was like, wow, this is this is like a whole nother halal meat. Wow. So his family took me in and I used to go down to the farmers market on the weekends and I would hang out with his dad who would sell incense and like handmade jewelry. And his dad just was like he'd read something from Riyadh al Salihin or one of the small hadith and more than anything, it was just like if you're gonna make it as a Muslim, you gotta stick with the Muslims. Yeah. And so they provided me these opportunities and environments to stick with them. And then, of course, I met, you know, one of my dearest friends, uh, Khadr, who also took me in. And I remember reading, like, you know, I think, actually, I think I learned, like, Surat al-Faraq or something like that, like, in his basement. And his not, not even all his children were born yet. And just there was a spirit of those Muslims at that time going back in the 90s, right, early 90s. That if they heard that somebody became Muslim, they were, man, like, no, no, you got to come and hang out with us. Right. You come over and have dinner or whatever that it is, you got to come. And so that gave us the environment to also grow with one another. And so, so you know, some of those brothers, man, like, even though we don't live in the same state anymore and, uh, you know, we're married and kids and, you know, we've lived a lot of life in the intervening, you know, 30 plus years, but... Those are some of the people that I'm still closest to, even though I might only talk to them once, twice a year, right. or I might only get a chance to see them once a year. But man, they 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 allowed me to incubate in my Islam. Mm. So after about the five year period, man, I didn't have to have my hand held anymore. Training wheels were off. Training wheels were off, uh, and then you know the nerd in me kicked in, which you know. <laughs> You know, alhamdulillah, I was able to learn Arabic within my first year of being a Muslim. And then I just, man, I, I was knocking on everybody's door that I could have to learn anything. Like Dr. Jackson, you know, I remember tracking him down at his office. Mm. And he was, I remember the first time he met, he's like, who are you? Are you in my class? I don't, man, I don't even go to, I don't even go to school, man. But you answer these questions, bro. Right. I don't even go to these schools. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't go to, I don't go to the University of Michigan, but I tell you what, you finna answer these questions, right? right? I got some questions for you, right. man. You the sheikh, I'm the student, I got some questions, mm-hmm. right? So, um, and I remember he's like, man, I ain't got no time to teach you, but if you go read these books, then you come, maybe you tell me what you thought of that. I was like, okay, and man, I, you yeah. know, of course, this is back in, again, you know, the 90s, and just acquiring any kind of Islamic literature, right. books, was it tough. was a feat. 
You know, it was yeah. a feat. But I loved it, man. You know, yeah. now everybody's got everything. Man, you there's Thing you could get a PhD in Islamic studies on YouTube, man, yeah. and ain't nobody even on there benefiting from this right. stuff. That's what drives me nuts. But that's 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 digressing, and that's another episode. That's another episode. But maybe as we come towards, you know, uh, wrapping up at least this one though. Okay, so you became Muslim. I became Muslim. You went through your journey on the inside, and you got out. I went through my incubation period and got out and now here we are right many many years on and we are still willfully muslim on our Mm. own and so as i've always said the better question to ask is not why did i or why did you become muslim but why do you still choose and remain to be Muslim? Because I hear many born Muslims will say, oh, you know, you guys are great. You guys are so much better than us because you chose Islam and we didn't. I'm like, really? Like you like you not choosing to be here right now and pray Fajr or pray Dhuhr or Jum'ah? Or like you're still not cho- – well, it's different. Okay, it's different. But there's still a choice. You could just be a Kafir if you want. You could right. renounce your Islam. So – just because you came to Islam through a certain suburb or kafi a certain way, mm-hmm. right? I think that's something I wish our born Muslim brothers could and sisters could understand that we all have a choice. We're all making just a constant string of choices. Now, my experience coming into Islam, uh, to be honest, at this point is really irrelevant because I'm, mm. I was 18 when I became a Muslim. Mm. I'm a 50-year-old man. I, 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 the, the reasons then of why I, I mean, you could, of course, there's a, a relation. I mean, I became a Muslim because I felt it was the truth. Now I know it's the truth, right? right? So, okay, there's a little bit of difference. But I, to, to me, there's an over-preoccupation on conversion versus sustaining and remaining. And I think mm. maybe that's why, part of the reason why community has crumbled over the decades where you said you get out and you don't have that same bond on the inside. Well, I'll be honest. I don't, I don't see the Sheikh Khalids anymore. Mm. I don't see people opening up and inviting people into their houses anymore. I mean, I just, you know, like I said, I did that piece the other day about the, the Hadith of the Prophet. So I said him where, you know, he said, what, well, uh, you know, right? In addition to your body having rights upon you, what your guest has rights upon you, your friend has rights upon you, which means that what you should have a, you should have a social life. We should be in each other's lives. And I, I think since you and I met, we clicked yeah. and have really wanted to, make a bond, you know, and then through that, alhamdulillah, like, I mean, right. from Rancho to here, still trying to keep the Fudger Club going together, you know, I really feel like you've been one of the brothers that really has helped to be part of the nucleus that draws people in uh, and, and, you know, keeping that going. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Yeah, so the maintenance and the reason why I, I never left Islam, um, I'm sure there is many, you know, external factors environmental factors, you know, way I was raised. Um, you know, I, I, and I'd like to hit on that one note, the way we were raised. The way we were raised is that, you know, we, we had that term, right? You know, your word is your bond. Yes. Uh, we, you know, when you, when you do something, you do it all the way, whatever. I was taught, you know, uncles, aunties, whatever, you know. Um, 
you know, when you, commitment, and that was the key word you said, you know, you make that commitment. And then I guess maybe the, the larger part too, is I understood the commitment. Yeah. And once I understood the commitment and the expectations of that commitment, and that was like a challenge to me too. It's like, yeah. oh, can you rise to the challenge of this commitment? Yeah. yeah can you yeah. handle it? Yeah. And the and one of the, I would say the uh, inspiring factors for that was being able to read the hadith and what how the companions their mentality and how they were looking at things. And I said, well, if they're doing it, <laughs> right, man, right. they're laying the ground down. I mean, yeah. we got it pretty easy, man. This is like, well, I ain't got a tribe chasing after me and. I, I ain't going to war and like so I <laughs> yeah, mean like yeah, yeah. wow I could you know all I have to do is just really set my mind to just it put one foot in front of the other and one of my strategies and techniques was I would tell myself oh we gotta wake up at four in the morning you know so different times of the Salah right for Fajr and I would tell myself well, you used to be in the park drinking 40 ounces at 3 o'clock in the morning. Why can't you wake up and just go do this? Right. So, you know, I'm flipping. I had to ra rationalize a lot of my other behavior and, you know, just modify that and adopt the Islamic, quote unquote, personality. I mean, people right? will do Qiyam on Netflix, you know, <laughs> right? seven you know? days a week, bro. But you get them to do Qiyam on Leo once in a lifetime. Yeah. It's like they're trying to bench press a dump truck. Right. Um, so, yeah, things that we, you know, so you learn to just reappropriate that same. Uh, I, I had to take that that old thinking and then capitalize on it and leverage it. Yeah. yeah. To what I was doing. And, you know, you would see this with the Sahaba, Omar, what, well, I mean, whatever they were good in, the, in their jahal, they 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 were they excelled in their. Islam, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And that's Allah. I mean, he'll, he'll, you know, when you, for me, when you pushed yourself, the tofiq, you're seeking that, right. you're seeking that alignment with God. And yes. so it, it became easy. And then, and then, like I said, maybe the environment wasn't there. Okay. So this is another thing. Once I got out, um, thank God I had it. Okay. So one of the topics here we'll kind of look at real quickly was the idea of, um, of challenges of preconceived notions. Um, no, not notions, but uh, what do you got here? Preconceptions. Yeah, the preconceptions, right. So I didn't have to face that much because, like, I guess I put my whole family in shock with, all my, <laughs> with all, uh, what this is nothing then, right? Yeah. Islam, okay, yeah. whatever. But, you know, this guy is out of control, period, all his life. So now, yes. finally, at least he got something maybe going from we don't know what the yes. salam is but he's doing something right so i think that you know the environment was good my mother was supportive and i just needed to find the community so you know zaytuna at the time hamza uh zayd shakar so like i said i i was hungry um i was desiring it you know i'm gonna go act on it so where i lived in san jose you know, they were way up in Hayward. And, yeah. you know, it, but I had a vehicle. So when they started teaching classes, I said, man, I'm going there. Right. It would take me two hours to get there. Sure. But and it's an hour. It should only be whatever, a 45 minute drive yeah. traffic of, you know, like everywhere. But I, I'm going to go sit in this lecture and this Dars and go get the knowledge I need because yeah. it's nowhere to be found. We didn't have the Internet. It wasn't just like today. Like you said, it's so easy for people to just acquire knowledge and become a student of knowledge. So to main to that main maintenance, 
the acting it of itself reinforced mm-hmm. my. Um, yeah, I think maybe that's the problem today, man. Everything's just too convenient. Right. It's too easy, and so we had to struggle just to get one heart, one letter, <laughs> one page in a book, right? But now people have everything, and yet nobody seems to know anything. Yeah, nobody's studying anything. Uh, you know, people are very busy. They're busy with their lives, but it's like, but your life is supposed to be, I know this sounds like maybe extremely doctrinal, but like your life is supposed to be about Allah. And yet you treat Allah like a, like a, like a handbag, like an accessory, you know, maybe it goes with my outfit today. Maybe maybe it doesn't. Exactly. You know? Um, Yeah. I, I, I really wonder if, uh, if we were to become Muslim today, would would it be a similar thing, or is it? True. You know, it's easy to say, right? I mean, we've yeah, yeah. It. I mean, obviously, your environment plays a large role, impact on how you behave. Yeah. I, yeah. I, so I, I think the 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 big takeaway is that, as usual, it it this religion is interactive, and you got to engage with it. <clears throat> There's a lot of things you can do, and so we were doing them. And so that, I think, reinforced and maintained our Islam. Another thing, you know, in my head was I got to acquire this knowledge to understand what this means because when somebody asks me, I don't want to be like the old Christian guy used to be, and I don't know, that's what they told me to do. And, you know, right? So to be able to articulate this, and so I'm, I'm interactive with it. I'm engaging with it. And therefore, it's just reinforcing and solidifying my Islam to, <laughs> yeah. for longevity. Uh, and the la- the other thing was, my kids are going to have questions. Yeah. And yeah. I got to be able to answer this because when I had questions, nobody could answer this. Yeah, yeah. They were left in the dark and not sure. Man, you don't, right, you don't, right. don't question God. <laughs> you just got to right, right, right. question God. Islam is clear and thank God this really, God has given you you want an you might not like the answer right but there's right. an answer why are you here where did we come from right, where are right. we going it's and what there. do you got to do and, <laughs> you might not and like and i just that. wrote this the other day i said you know uh matter of fact i think i wrote this on my on my on my twitter account the other day maybe i can bring it up here uh i said yeah you know i said you know many muslim parents are teaching their children the very same children that they want to raise as muslims right that their islam is simply a choice I said, this could not be a bigger mistake. What these children are, are understanding is that there's no difference between obedience and disobedience. Yeah. So, for instance, you'll have parents that will tell their daughter, just taking, I know everybody, oh, hijab, it's, it's none of your business. No, it's of course it's my business. I have a daughter. And I'm a Muslim. Yep. It doesn't matter whether I have a daughter or not. Or like, I'm a Muslim. Everything in Islam is my business. And so I have a daughter, though, so especially it's my business. And so you will have some people that will tell their, their daughters when they ask the question, well, do I have to wear hijab when I grow up? And these are sometimes even in families where the mother is muhajjaba, the mother wears hijab. Mm. And they will tell their daughter, oh, well, you know, it's up to you. Wait a minute. What do you mean it's up to you? You're giving the false impression that there's not a hukum here, that there's not a command here. And so by, 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 by doing that, you're giving the false impression. And actually, you're giving the misguidance to tell children that everything in the religion is a matter of convenience. 
And so we do away with any notion of ahkam, any notion of obligations, of things we have to do or not have to do, but rather, well, what is pleasing to you? Do you like to wear hijab? If you do, okay, great, alhamdulillah, you wore hijab. Oh, you don't like to wear hijab? Or you feel that people may look at you in a certain... Okay, no, it's okay. You don't have to wear hijab. Mm. And so telling people when there, when there is a presence of a hukum, we just went through this weekend. That's why, you know, when we did the Maliki Fiqh class, I said, okay, hold up. We're, not, we're now getting into this terminology of, you know, mustahib and mandub and makru. Wait, wait, wait. We got to back up now. What are mm. all these things rooted in? Mm. These are not just words that we are make-believe. They're rooted in what? There's a hukum. And then depending on the nature of it and what the and, and what type of evidences are in that command, it might be wajib. It might be you gotta do it, like the prayers or the fast of Ramadan, or it might be it's still a hukum, like even with the supererogatory so called nawafil or sunnah mm. prayers, right? It's still coming from the hukum. But because the way the evidences are constructed and demonstrated by the Prophet and the Salaf, that there's nothing blameworthy against you if you don't do it, but you are rewarded if you do. But that's not how we. That's not what every hukum is. Not every hukum is like, well, you know, you you get rewarded if you do it, but if you don't do it, nothing. No, no. There is a uh, topology. There is a gradation, a striation mm-hmm. here, and so telling your daughters. Well, you know, basically there's no difference between wearing hijab or not hijab, uh, that it's no longer even a question of obedience, disobedience. It's just, well, one is vanilla and one is chocolate. It's all ice cream. This is an extraordinary uh, this is an extraordinary act of misguidance because mm-hmm. eventually it will trickle down from the ahkam and from the ibadat. It will trickle down from those commands that are related to acts of worship to eventually it will penetrate the aqa'id or the creedal matters. Aqidah. Do I really got to even believe in Allah? Do I, you know, because why do I even have to pray? I don't have to pray. I don't have to eat halal. I don't have to do this. I don't, everything now, even it will eventually penetrate those creedal matters. Yeah. You know, so just. No. This is a major concern and, and a shift in attitude in our community that, ironically, you were talking about diversity earlier, that we've actually, my, 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 my wife noticed this the other day when she was applying for a job. Mm. When she went to the, the portal that they had, and there was a little graphic on the portal. And, you know, of course, it's, you know, everybody's welcome to apply. And da-da. So who did they have on the, the graphic for the portal? On one graphic, there was a woman in hijab. And on the other graphic, there was some like rainbow sense type stuff. Right. Right. And so now, even though not some, some aspects of non-Muslims in society are essentially green lighting the acceptance of hijab as non-Muslims, as kuffar. Mm. Oh, well, you know, sure, as part of diversity, we welcome women to wear hijab. The kafir is making room for your religion. But you still going to tell your children it's just a choice. Right. Like, who, you know, wow. It, it, it is just an extraordinary time that, that, that we live in. Uh, that there's this, you know, going back to the idea of being gharib, uh, uh, you know, you know, give glad tidings to those who are strange. 
it is strange to be different. It is strange to, as a woman, not reveal your entire body for public consumption. It is maybe odd, less now, right? But maybe it's odd in certain circumstances for a man to grow a beard or or even if now it's a hipster thing or whatever you want to say to grow a beard, but it still is odd to say, well, I grow my beard for religious reasons, not to be cool or not for style. I mean, I might like the way it looks, but that is not the reason why I do it. And on and on and on to all the different things that it's, you know, it's like that's why it's going to go back to to how it began as something innovative and strange. And that's something the Muslim needs to get back to is yeah. being innovative and having the courage to be different, which is not the same, excuse the coarse language, it's not the same as giving somebody the middle finger, mm. right? Being different from somebody in, in deen, in religion, in practice, and in deeds, it's not the same as flipping somebody the bird. And yet many Muslims, I feel today, are so concerned about displeasing or doing something that other people might frown at or go, what the heck is that? Or this, they'll have something to say mm-hmm. that they will be, they will go to any lengths to appease them. Even to the point they tell their kids, oh, hijab is just a choice. Even though the Kafir is like, no, go ahead, wear your hijab. <laughs> it's a very strange moment. It is. It is. But be that as it may, that's the moment we in. Um, so, you know, moving towards the wrap-up, um, we had talked about, you know, remaining Muslim and, you know, like you said, you know, seeking out, uh, you know, seek to be part of a community. You know, don't, you got to take a kind of Builder Bob mentality, right? Don't wait for it. Right, go out, be hungry, seek it, be a party crasher, show up to the masjid, you know, invite yourself to the party, invite yourself to the iftar. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, you know, like the last point I, I had put on here was just like their impact on others. And clearly, you and I both talked in different ways about how others and their Islam it had an impact on us and our being mm. and maintaining our Islam. And so, I think. You know, in the same way, it's not about, you know, living your religion on your sleeve, but still living your religion a lot. Because you never know, it just might, it might just put a droplet of an idea in somebody's mind. Okay, and there's, and you know, there's been many, many times where um, you, you cross paths, uh, well, for me, I've crossed paths with a lot of youngsters, and... Uh, they're in in question about different things, and had I not been practicing my religion and understanding the different aspects of it, um, I I may have taken certain aspects of the religion out of its perspective, out of its context, given the wrong advice. Right. But because I'm pretty secure in my religion, I'm able to help others reorientate where they're starting to stray this way or that way in their thought process because it's a very confusing time. Um, I'm able to keep my kids' brains at least somewhat there. They, they stray, they do their thing. You know, I'm not, hey, I'm a parent too and I have all their parenting issues as, as well. However, Islam has the solution and if you don't know, like you said, go ask the people who know. And so my impact um, 
I'm not in your position where you get to engage. And sometimes you throw me off when you tell me stories about what they think that they're doing that. You had a conversation with those and things. Oh, man. You know, I'm, so, I'm not in touch with the community. How many we can't drink, bro? Because I would be in the gutter. Boy, yeah, some of the stuff I'm people like, tell really? me, man, I would be. People thinking that nowadays? Are people doing that on YouTube? I, so I, I, so there's a certain a disconnect for me with the greater community and some of the mm, trials and tribulations they're going through. But. When I encounter some of them, we're able to at least offer some contrast and deeper explanation and maybe a, a better perspective of the way she, they should be thinking based off of our legislative sources yeah, yeah, put on in, in the Sunnah and, and what we know of it. And so I think in that role, um, because our, our, maybe I've impacted, I, I've never heard anybody come and tell me oh thank you brother you, you you know this helped me out and this and that because you, i saw you doing this or you said that i have with my students yeah there's been you know a lot of gratitude and and, and i can only attribute that to because of islam and what it shaped me yeah to think and behave and, and and the way i conduct myself some of my colleagues as well um but i've been blessed to to whether in my parts of my career path to actually work with Muslims and be around right, Muslims. So right, I don't right. know if, you know, I, we yes. feed off of each other and rubbed off of each other. Yes. Um, but I, I think, you know, with my family, they've, they've, uh, I've been able to at least leave some impact, you know, the terminology and being an agent of change in the academic field. Right. Uh, yeah, I bought into that and I believe in that, but from an Islamic perspective, mm -hmm. right, and transmitting information and knowledge and at least even with the academic field, correlating that yes. with Islam and I'll bring that up. I'm not shy in my religion. Uh, the if the administration don't like what I'm saying, right. bye. I'm, Allah is all razak. Yeah, and they're he's <laughs> Allah bye. bye. I'll, you know, they're going to Allah not you guys aren't paying me. Allah <laughs> is paying me. So I'm not shy in my religion for that reason. Yeah. You, know, you know, most of us might feel that way. So again, my professional Brothers and sisters out there, don't be shy in religion and speak, stand on the truth. Allah will take care of you. He's took care of you in the past. So make that impact then. Like stand on the truth yeah. and don't shy away, especially with all the different weird, uh, I don't even know what to call it, but right? Yeah. So I'm sure your impact is probably a greater magnitude <laughs> with the interaction you have to deal with the community just by default. Um, how do you handle that? What What is your, I mean... Yeah, I think I just you know I I, I, I try to 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 obviously lead by the example of the Prophet yes. Sallam, which is to as as we just went over the verse in Surah Al Maida, you know you know you know right like you know don't fear the censorship or mm. the words or people who want to you know. You know, say something negative about you. You know, stand upon what's right. And so we gave the example, like Abu Bakr as Siddiq, radiallahu anhu, the great, the great companion of the Prophet Sallallahu who was also the first leader of the community. And we said, you know, like Ibn Juzay in his commentary noted that uh, some were saying that. You know this verse, though obviously his the the actions took place later on. But he said, you know, one great example of that verse of not being overly concerned about the censure or uh, the detraction of others, mm. particularly when you know you are standing upon the truth, yeah. 
and to be steadfast in that. He said, you know, it was like when the people said that, okay, you know, we're going to be Muslim, but we ain't paying no zakat. And he was like, uh, no, no, you, you're going to pay zakat. Even if I got to come down there on a donkey by myself and strap up and yeah. get it from you. And the other Muslims were like, oh, no, brother, don't do that. This is the, And he stood his ground right. to the point that they came around and we're like, no, 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 he's right. You know, this is this is a haq that's due. This is a right that's due. And we got to go deal with them people. And so by him standing firm upon the truth, actually the people, after their initial, you know, lauma, uh, right, their initial censorship and disagreement came to, like, they came back around to it. Like, no, actually, you know, he's got a point. He's right. And then they supported him in that effort so he didn't have to go down there on a donkey by himself and yes. and solve the problem. So, uh, and that's what I was saying. I think that's a cle- that's a, a, a really beautiful example that's often missing from our discussions on Islamic leadership. Like yes. everybody's got their little uh, symposium <laughs> or what are they going to do about <laughs> Islamic leadership, but none of it is about standing firm on the truth even when other people, maybe even other Muslims disagree with you. Exactly, exactly, and and if if anybody, if, please go go read his uh, Abu Bakr's. Yeah, go read his bio. It's amazing. The companions were saying, ah, "Abu Bakr, should, are you sure you want to use him as a general? He's younger than us. Who was the Sahaba's name? He was young, young general, going to fight the Romans." Uh, uh, yeah, and the and senior the... companions are like, "Are you sure?" He's like, "The Prophet of Islam put him as a general, and I am not changing yeah, yes, anything." The Prophet yes, said. Yeah. that was his certitude. And I remember reading he had mentioned in the, they asked him, how did you lose your your like a fear? Because if you we see you like you're you're fearless. How did you lose that? When I was in the cave with the Prophet, I was I was trembling that the Quraysh were about to fight. They were right there. And Allah removed that fear when he brought the ayah down. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I that. never feared anything after that. And, the, and you know, the idea of also, like, you have to be prepared. There will be times in your life where it's, you know, as I say, it's okay to be, uh, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be, uh, uh, you know, dis, uh, disquieted by something. Matter of fact, you can count on it. It's going to happen. But it's not okay to let fear of something else override your actions but rather, your fear of Allah should override those other actions and choices, and that you know, obviously, that's something that is 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 has to be, uh, you know, we we have to talk about that and yep. remember that and reflect on it. But then also, you know, we should in, instill this and try to encourage this as as a virtue to have, versus always looking to placate uh, everything and everybody else around us. Yep. Um, and again. With the understanding that even if I, you know, the Prophet ﷺ was commanded to say, you know, if they say that they reject you or they don't accept you, then say what? Say, you know, li amali walakum amalukum. Buddy, um, min, you know, uh, minni, that, you know, you, I have my way, you have your way, mm. you guys are free from me. Of what uh, you're free of how I worship and what I do. And I'm free of you guys and how you worship and how you live and how you be. Yep. And that's that doesn't again mean you're flipping somebody the bird, right? But it does mean that I am not going to acquiesce right. to to how you think, feel, and do. And that part of living in a society with others is also accepting that there's going to be 
there's going to be tension sometimes. There's going to be disagreements, and that we can we can even never ever resolve those differences, uh, and yet not also go to the point of violence. Because I think that's the thing. Oh, you know, if we if you know, if we don't accept each other, then eventually we're going to get around to cutting each other's heads off. This is ridiculous. Right. Definitely. So, alhamdulillah, man. Uh, well, this is a heck of a first yeah. start, you know. Um, we got more to come, so stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, definitely, inshallah. So, with that, we'll uh, conclude this one by saying alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalam ala rasulullah. And inshallah, we'll see you in the next one. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum.